It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for the Chronicles of Nania, the world-famous Michael Nania, who is profiled in the Daily News, joins us. Since the last time he was on the show, he has now become a phenomenon, somebody who's unstoppable in league circles, if you will. They put out the bat signal, but it just has a big N for Nania instead, all these teams that want their information. (laughs) So, Michael, glad you could take a few minutes away from being a rock star to come on the Chronicles this week. Well, I don't know if I'm that good, but I appreciate it, but... Uh, I can say this, I'm definitely better with the numbers than the Jets were at anything in this game against the Bills. So, I mean, there were some positives, but I mean, that was just, that that was tough to watch. It was definitely a tough game to watch, but Michael, we're going to go through these numbers, and there were some positives, like you said. So, over at JetsXFactor.com, you've got the 10 key numbers from the Jets' week one loss to Buffalo, and I thought it would be fun to go through these one by one. Let's start with the number 3.4. What does that represent? Yeah, so Darnold's final stats in this game don't look that bad. He finished with two, about 6.1 yards per attempt. His pass rating, I think, was 75. I believe he had 216 yards. Don't have the numbers, those the actual numbers in front of me right now, but they were decent, not awful numbers. One touchdown, one pick. But if you take out 69-yard catch and run to Crowder, which was in a third of the line of scrimmage, that wasn't difficult at all. Although Gase did say that Darnold checked into it, so credit to, credit to him for that. But still, a 69-yard play on third of the line of scrimmage, you can pretty much take that out as a very misleading part of his box score. And then the garbage time drive, he went 8 for 8 for 58 yards. So you take... Those nine passes out, garbage time, the catcher on to Crowder, and his stat line would be 12-26 for 88 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. That's 3.4 yards per attempt, and that is really bad. That would be the second worst of his career ahead of only the New England game. Uh, and there's only been one – outside of that New England game, there's only been one other quarterback performance in Jets history in which a quarterback put up under 3.5 yards per attempt and an under 40 pass rating on at least 20 pass attempts. That was Mark Sanchez against the Ravens in 2011. So that and Darnold against the Pats in 2019, that's how Darnold really played in this game. If you take out uh, the catch and run to Crowder and also the garbage time drive. So uh, the numbers at the end don't look that bad. They're still pretty mediocre, but when you add the context to it, it shows you kind of how well he really played, which is not well at all. So uh, this was definitely the biggest concern of this game. A lot of question marks, but Darnold's performance That is definitely the biggest concern coming out of it. Bad game for Sam Darnold. Good game for Marcus May. What does the number eight represent? 
Yeah, so there were eight pretty good plays he made in this game. Uh, I'm players put up tackles all the time, but not every tackle is actually a good play. Sometimes you get beaten coverage and you make a tackle. Sometimes you miss a tackle and then you chase it down and finish it 20 yards later. So not every tackle is impressive, but Marcus May was everywhere making pretty good plays in this game. He had two sacks, two run stuffs at the line of scrimmage, two passes defended, and a forced fumble. He's the first player in Jets history to hit all of those numbers in one game. And he also had a tackle holding Buffalo to a three-yard gain, uh, bailing out Bless Austin on a missed tackle on the first pass play of the game. So eight pretty impressive plays right there by Marcus May. He is really active. Uh, a promising game for him, taking uh, taking over Jamal Adams' shoes, roaming around the field near the line of scrimmage. Looked like a good fit in the role. Marcus May wasn't the only player in the secondary who had a really nice day on Sunday. What does the number five represent? Yeah, so Austin, I think, made five pretty solid plays in this game. I did say he missed tackle at the beginning. He did miss a few in this game, which is something he can clean up. Uh, but he was very solid for the most part in this game. Forced a Josh Allen fumble, two tackles shy of the sticks in the passing game, stuffed a run short of the goal line inside the 10-yard line later in the game uh, to prevent a touchdown, and also had a tackle for loss against Allen in the run game. So five pretty impressive plays there. He also had, in addition to those, a really hard hit on Stefan Diggs down the field. Didn't knock the ball out, but it was a pretty noticeable hard hit that would knock the ball out a good decent chunk of the time that scenario. So that was impressive as well. So I liked Wes Austin in this game. Michael, as you said, this is an ugly game all the way around, but Buffalo kept the Jets in the game far too many times by making mistakes. What does the number four represent? Yeah, so I think there were four key plays. The final score of this game is 27-17. to That seems like a decently competitive NFL football game, but it's the most most misleading 10-point differential I've ever seen. And a big part of it, there are just four pretty key plays for the Bills. Allen with two fumbles in Jets territory. Tyler Bass missed two field goals. One of them might not have been a miss. I don't think the announcers are talking about it a lot. I don't think there was much evidence to show that it actually went in. But still, two missed field goals uh, deep in Jets territory and two lost fumbles. Uh, those mistakes don't happen. I think you get a much more representative final score. But uh, they did make those mistakes, so it makes it look a lot closer than it was. Part of the reason that it was so lopsided in so many different areas in this game, though, is that while the Bills were making some mistakes, the Jets were making a lot more mistakes. What does the number 95 represent? Yeah, penalties were a big issue for the Jets in this game, 95 penalty yards um, through Sunday, so not including the Monday night games because I wrote this on Monday, but out of the 28 teams to play through Sunday night, that was Jets tied for the most penalties and the third most penalty yards with 10 penalties and 95 yards. And the defense was responsible for most of that, seven penalties on the defense, two on the offense, one on special teams. Uh, and there were three players who had most of those, two for Basham, two for Desir and two for Quinn and Williams. Uh, Nate Harrison had the other one. So penalties were, and most of these were in the first half too. I believe they had five of them within the first 20 minutes of the game. So early and often with the penalties obviously does not put you in a good position to win games. And, and I think a lot of times penalties get tagged on coaches a bit too much because a lot of the penalties that happen are to make up for players getting beat, like Desir withholding and pass interference, uh, also, there's roughing the passer, which a lot of those are questionable, and sometimes it's just incidental contact that you have to call you know, to promote safety. So I don't know if coaching should be blamed for penalties as much as they do, but 
still in this game, it was a pretty big issue. And if it's consistent throughout the season, then I think you could start putting some blame on the coaching staff. But in this game in particular, uh, the defense, three guys on that defense, Tazir Basham and Quinton Williams, combined for six of the ten penalties. So obviously that's very problematic. Basham and Williams were a big part of the penalty problem on Sunday, but they did manage to do something positive. What's the number two represent? Yeah, so the pass rush in this game was not impressive at all. Josh Allen threw 46 passes in this game. Obviously, he scrambled a few times as well. So over 50 dropbacks, and the Jets only got two quarterback hits from a front seven player. Basham got one of them. Quinnen got the other one, and he was flagged for roughing the passer on that one. So in reality, they only knocked Allen down legally one time the entire game. Uh, They did have three sacks from the defensive backfield, two for May. One for Brian Poole, but the front seven only put up, if you if you take out Quinn and Williams roughing the passer, only one quarterback hit, that being from Terrell Basham. So uh, that's just not going to cut it. You need a lot more pressure than that. Uh, and even the pressure totals, which weren't sacks or quarterback hits, the hurries, those weren't good either, very low in that department. So it's got to be a lot better than that. And Quinn and Williams had obviously no sacks in this game, but no hurries either. Uh, outside the hits and sacks. So a very disappointing game for not just Quinn and Williams, but the entire front seven. But Quinn and Williams is who you expected the biggest leap out of. I was very high in him taking a leap this year. He finished last season very strongly, but this game he was dead silent along with the entire defensive line and edge group. So that's got to be a lot better going forward. The defensive line weren't the only ones that were dead silent. The wide receivers were pretty silent, too. What does the number 1.9 represent? Yeah, so Brashad Perriman and Chris Hogan, I think coming into the game, that's definitely what you would highlight as the weakness of this roster, uh, those outside wide receivers, and that definitely turned out to be the case. They combined for four catches for 17 yards on nine targets, only 1.9 yards per target. Hogan had one of four, caught one of four targets for no yards, Perriman, three of five for 17. Uh, Darnold did miss Perriman on one throw over the middle, but still overall, that's just, that's not acceptable production. And I do think the separation, although not as big of an issue as I think it might be, uh, a lot of people are considering because Darnold just missed some open throws in this game. But the separation is probably the number two issue, mainly of these two guys against a really good Bills secondary. So uh, the Jets got Richard Sherman coming up this week. Uh, they do have some more good secondaries on schedule, Denver, Chargers, uh, Jalen Ramsey and the Rams. So uh, the separation at wide receiver could be an issue. So Denzel Mims, um, it's hard to expect too much from a rookie, but right now he's about the only hope they've got to save this position. So uh, Mims can't come back soon enough because that production, and, and look, they're not going to average two yards a target all season. Um, we've seen, even in 2017, the Jets started out season in Buffalo, It was an abysmal offense that couldn't move the ball at all. And then Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse had pretty good seasons that year. So one game doesn't tell the whole story. They could absolutely turn it around. Uh, But in this particular game, a position that seemed to be weakness coming in definitely was against against the strength of the Bills roster, which is that secondary. No question those outside receivers didn't do much in this game against Buffalo, but the Jets did manage to get some production from the slot. A really bad start for Jamison Crowder, but a really strong finish. What does the number 115 represent? Yeah, 115 yards for Jamison Crowder. He just continues to shred the bills. And like you said, it wasn't a good start for him. None of the first four targets to him 
were completed. He had one drop. Another throw that looked like a drop on a very short pass. I'm not sure it was. We'll have to see a better angle on the All-22 once it comes out. But also was targeted on the interception by Darnold. So it didn't start out pretty good. But then he pulled in seven of his last nine targets for the 115 yards. Obviously the touchdown. And he had three more first downs in addition to those. So this is really the second year in a row the Jets have played Bills in the opening game and Crowder's been about all they've had going in the passing game with some flashes from Le'Veon Bell. But uh, Crowder owns the Bills right now, the Jets, 93 yards a game against the Bills and his three games against them. That's the most in Jets history uh, among players who've played them at least three times. So uh, right now he owns the Bills. So the Jets do at least have that going for them. But um, I mean, Crowder is Crowder, you knew, I think, is one of the strong points of this offense. His slot production last season was top 10 across the board. Uh, the drops obviously hold him back a little bit. We saw them in this game. There was a one bad drop he had on probably Darnold's best throw of the game. Wasn't perfect, but it was a crossing route that he should have caught. That was bad. And we've seen plenty of bad drops for him already in his two years here, but he's explosive enough to more than make up for it. Uh, so that was the whole Jameson Crowder experience. You get some bad drops, but he's very more than explosive enough. Uh, he's more explosive than most players in the slot are, and that allows him to make up for it. So he's a hot and cold player, but still overall one of the best slot receivers in the league. So a strong point of this offense and uh, one of really the only skill position player that you can feel confident about right now. The Jets had a lot of units play poorly on Sunday against the Bills, but one unit that played poorly that you wouldn't have expected was special teams because normally they're one of the strengths of this team. But on Sunday, they let Brant Boyer down in a big way. What does the number 13.8 represent? Yeah, so Andre Roberts got some revenge on the Jets. 13.8 yards of punt return on five returns, and he was four of his five returns were very effective. So he had a very good game. That's something we're not used to seeing. Uh, this is the first time in Brant Boyer's tenure that the Jets have allowed at least 13.8 yards per return on a, for, to a player who returns at least five punts, uh, the most since 2016 that they've allowed. Uh, actually, most since 2013 with at least five returns. Uh, since 2018, if you go down to at least three returns. Uh, but however you slice it, the return coverage was not good in Braden Mann's debut. I did a whole breakdown of Braden Mann's performance in this game, uh, but I think the coverage was a lot more to blame than Braden Mann. Ashton Davis, Arthur Millette, Matthias Farley, even T. Henney, I got I to gotta be honest. Uh, they all missed some tackles. Uh, the coverage was not good. Uh, but Mann also did have a couple punts in which the hang time wasn't enough. It kind of made it harder for the coverage team to get down there. So he can improve there, but Mann did have uh, – some really good punts. His first four punts in this game were pretty solid. His first one was 58 yards, a little bit of a line drive, but it was enough hang time uh, to where Millette had a chance to bring Roberts down. He missed that tackle. Uh, and then the next three were pretty accurate and helped out the coverage team quite a bit, and they couldn't convert. The last two punts weren't as effective for man, uh, and that hurt the coverage team a little bit. But for the most part, there were a lot of missed tackles that we're not used to seeing from a, a Brant Boyer coverage unit in this game. So hopefully that can improve going forward. But I do like what Braden Mann showed in this game. He has some things to improve, but he obviously has the complete package. He, in addition to the power, can be precise, accurate. Uh, he does have the potential to hang time. He had one very high punt in this game, his second one. Uh, but the other ones weren't quite there. So 
but he has the potential in every area. So once he can put it together, I think he's going to be a really good punter for them. Michael, I know that most of us stopped caring about ratios the second we got out of school because we would say when we were in class, when are we ever going to need to worry about ratios? Well, today is that day because I've got a ratio for you, Michael, 31 to 9. What does that represent? Yeah, so going into the Jets, garbage time drive, the last drive that uh, ended in a Josh Adams rushing touchdown. Going to that drive, the Jets had nine first downs on offense compared to the Bills, 31. And that 22 differential, if the Jets finished the game with that, it would have been the worst in franchise history. So uh, aside from what the scoreboard says, I, I don't think there's anything that sums up how badly the Jets were dominated more so than that. Um, obviously, they did score in that last drive. They put up six first downs, but uh, we know that drive kind of tells you nothing. The Bills had no intention of really doing anything but running the clock out in that drive. But going into that, the Jets were on pace to have their worst first down to worst first down differential in franchise history. So that's how bad it was. And that definitely sums it up. So when I was watching this, regardless of what the scoreboard said, it really felt like I'd never seen them get this thoroughly dominated, just play after play. And this sums sums that up about as well as you can. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Michael, you did a great job of analyzing the snap counts over at JetsXFactor.com. And one of the things that the snap counts tell us is that there need to be changes on the edge and there need to be changes in a big way. Yeah, I think the Jets can definitely do a better job raising the ceiling on the edge. And look, they're going to need big moves here in the offseason, promoting a couple players from, um, you know, who weren't even good enough to be active over guys like Frankie Louvu and Jordan Willis. They're, the odds that they solve this position are not good, but for the time being, they can raise the ceiling as much as they can. And I think to do that, they should promote Bryce Huff and John Franklin Myers over Willis and Louvu. Willis and Louvu just, they combined for 29 pass rush snaps in this Bills game, and they only had two pressures, no sacks, no hits, and they also both missed the tackle. So extremely ineffective, can hardly get any worse than that. Uh, and it's not like they have any upside to go off of, really. Uh, they've combined for an average of three sacks or seven sacks in their career over 1,600-plus defensive snaps. So there's not a, lot of production, not a lot of production to go off of with them. So I think going to Huff and Franklin Myers, Franklin Myers had a really good, uh, promising rookie season with the Rams in 2018. Uh, and Huff was very productive for Memphis, good enough to make this roster as an undrafted free agent, even in a really tough season for undrafted free agents uh, to make the roster considering no rookie minicamp. Uh, so those two guys, I think, uh, will they actually be better? The, the chances of that aren't great, but they can't be any worse. So I think the Jets probably should give those two guys, uh, get those two guys in the active roster uh, and then Willis and Louvu you can send down uh, to the inactive list. Jets will have to make the best of what they've got at edge right now, but you can bet that they are going to make major changes on the edge in the offseason. And it's a shame you can't bet on that as a prop bet because you can make some pretty good money over at MyBookie. Right now, if you use the promo code OVERTIME, you can get yourself up to $1,000 in free play and double your first deposit. 
Add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. The NFL season is here, so it's time for you to win big with my bookie. Head over there right now. Use the promo code OVERTIME. Double your first deposit. Get up to $1,000 in free play. And like I said, it's just a shame that you can't bet on the Jets making upgrades to the edge in the offseason because I'd say that's pretty much a guarantee. But there are problems well beyond the edge. Changes are going to have to be made at cornerback too, Michael. We saw how bad Pierre Desir was. And I like Nate Hairston, but he didn't play very well either. Zero snaps for Arthur Millette, which makes no sense to me. You would think that after having a pretty solid season last year, he would get a look and consideration to start. Austin and Millette did pretty well last year. Austin did well in game number one. Millette didn't even get into the game. Maybe that changes in game number two. In fact, I think Greg Williams would be foolish if that's not one of the changes he makes. Yeah, a cornerback is definitely another one of the problem areas on defense. Bless Austin, like I said. I think he played pretty well. Uh, But Pierre Desir was just... They targeted him four times, two touchdowns, two first downs, and he had two penalties just 24 snaps in coverage. So every four snaps that Josh Allen dropped back, Pierre Desir is giving up a first down. That is just simply atrocious, but Greg Williams did not hesitate to pull the trigger. Uh, but it's who he replaced him with that was interesting. Went with Nate Harrison over Millette, who started the entire second half last season. Played pretty solidly. I think that he definitely benefited from the schedule they played. He Millette wasn't asked to do too much in coverage. A lot of his production was based on coming downhill and finishing. Uh, but for the most part, he produced really well in that second half. Uh, so to see him go to Harrison, who did not produce last season uh, and actually got benched in that Giants game for Bless Austin, uh, it was surprising. And Harrison was you know, he was better than Desir, I guess, just because almost anyone could have been. Uh, but he still wasn't good, had a penalty, gave up a first down on all three times he was targeted. Uh, so I think the Jets can do better than that, I think. Millette last year showed he is a fit in this defense uh, and deserves to get some more playing time. And Quincy Wilson didn't play either in this game. And I would start Millette over Wilson, but uh, I, th- I think there it makes sense to give Wilson some playing time at some point, especially over Harrison, who just at this point hasn't really shown you anything to, you know, to go off of. So just to give Wilson some playing time at some point makes sense. And, but I think that Millette should probably be starting opposite Austin uh, in this next game against the Niners. It was it was that duo of Austin and Millette that was a huge part of turning that defense around in the second half. Once you got both of those guys out there, uh, and it's not to say that they were 2009 Revis and, you know, 2010 Revis and Cromartie, but, uh, you know, they held their responsibilities well. They tackled underneath very efficiently. So they were a solid duo, and I think it makes sense to get them back together. Another solid duo, or at least so we thought, was going to be Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin. But as we shift to the offensive snap counts here, Michael, Herndon got on the field plenty, but Griffin didn't. Yeah, Herndon played quite a few snaps in this game. 40 snaps, 71% of the offensive snaps. And Ryan Griffin only 18, so 32%. Uh, So Herndon uh, more than doubled Griffin on the snap count. And they rarely played together. The Jets were in... 11 personnel for most of this game. Hogan and Perriman never came off the field. Crowder, 86% of the snaps. So majority of the time, it was 11 personnel. But I do wonder if the Jets, at least for the time being, should play more 12 personnel, considering uh, you know Hogan just didn't bring anything to the table in this game. So maybe take his snaps down a little bit, get Griffin out there for some two tight end sets with Chris Herndon. 
uh, kind of maximize your talent a little bit more because we know that tight end position has probably been Sam's favorite, at least in terms of efficiency in his career so far. Didn't see too much of it with Herndon in this Bills game, but you know maybe get both of them out there. They can complement each other, but uh, I, I, it's not that they should play it every single snap. No, no NFL team does. The Ravens do it a lot, but it, they're uh, an outlier. So, but I just do think that Ryan Griffin probably should get more playing time, especially right now while the Jets wait for Denzel Mims to get back. We'll see if he plays in this game or not. But uh, Ryan Griffin, I think, get him out there some two tight end sets with Chris Herndon. See what those guys can do. I don't think it can be much worse than having Chris Hogan out there. But again, not saying they should do it every snap. 11 personnel is a base for pretty much every offense. But uh, to get Griffin some more snaps, maybe pull Hogan down a little bit. Uh, could be a good way to, you know, get some weapons out there, uh, do a better job maximizing the talent that they have right now. Certainly a good idea to get him out there to help make up for the fact that wide receiver depth is such an issue, like you said, Michael. And that's something that you really made a point of in your snap count analysis over at JetsXFactor.com. Yeah, the wide receiver depth is, uh, you know, definitely a big question mark. The Jets only had four wide receivers a few days ahead of the game, and then they promoted Josh Malone as one of their two weekly promotions. Uh, and they only ended up using three receivers in this game. Braxton Berrios and Malone never showed up on offense. So it was the Perriman, Hogan, and Crowder show the entire time. Like I said, Perriman, Hogan never came off the field. Crowder only for eight snaps, uh, only eight snaps off the field. So it was those three guys uh, entirely throughout this game. And you know that's a rare thing to see, only three wide receivers used even considering the lack of depth. So uh, this is something that, you know, is an issue for the Jets right now. They can consider bringing up Lawrence Cager to maybe take a higher upside shot than Malone. Uh, and, and again, Denzel Mims coming back is going to be really important. We'll see how quickly he can get off the ground, considering how much time he's missed. You know, can he pick up the playbook quick enough? But uh, the Jets really need a shot in the arm at this wide receiver position, and Mims can give it to them. But for the time being, like I said, for giving Griffin some more snaps, could give them some more upside. Uh, and also Lawrence Cager, going with him over Malone might make sense. Malone played on special teams. He did some kick returner, but Ashton Davis can handle the kickoff return spot. Uh, so maybe going with Cager instead of Malone, throwing him out there makes sense. Maybe give Barrio some snaps, go with some double slot, uh, you know, some 10 personnel even maybe, throw four receivers out there. Uh, but uh, I think it's time for them. They do need to try something a little more creative this week because Hogan and Perriman just weren't separating on their own. The fact that Hogan and Perriman played 100% of the snaps is absolutely terrifying, Michael. They've got to do something, yeah. and hopefully Denzel Mims will be back very quickly because they need him like nobody's business, which is not a great thing to have to say about a second-round rookie. But I will end the show with this, Michael. I thought you'd find this interesting. This is right in your wheelhouse PFF has released their rankings from the first week, and Mekhi Becton was the number one graded offensive rookie in week one. Also, here's how he compared to the other rookie tackles. Again, this is just one week, but still, it's nice to see. Andrew Thomas was ranked 52nd among eligible tackles. Jedrick Wills, 46th. Tristan Wirfs, 51st. And Mekhi Becton, 11th. Now, obviously, each of these guys played against different competition, but that's a very encouraging sign during a week where we need all the encouraging signs we can get. Yeah, it was definitely an impressive debut for Becton. Not a perfect one, 
Um, he did give up the one sack, although that wasn't the worst sack in the world. That was more of a coverage sack. It was not a perfect rep by any means, but if the ball is out quicker, we wouldn't even be thinking about that rep. But otherwise, there were a lot of really good reps. We saw the dominant down blocking. We hoped we would see the second-level drive and finish ability. Uh, and in pass protection, he just uh, he looks refined and ready to make the most out of his tools. And, and look, he's got some really tough challenges coming up. Nick Boza, Justin Houston, Bradley Chubb, then the uh, Ingram and Bosa duo of the Chargers. So he's got some – Chandler Jones also. He's got some tough battles coming up. And there are going to be times where, you know, he gives up a sack or a quarterback hit. Uh, so it's not going to be extremely pretty every single week. But um, I think it's good that he is coming out of the gate with these tough challenges to set the bar really high to start instead of having to go the opposite direction where you start out easy and then you have to kick it up a notch. I think it's good that he's getting this competition right now. Uh, Jerry Hughes in this game was his primary matchup. And to face a veteran rusher like him is a tough challenge for a rookie, especially because the pass rush game is you know built around technique. So uh, to face a veteran and do well in that game, very impressive start for him. No question about it. And let's hope there's more where that came from because the way that the Jets looked on Sunday, we're going to need all the positives that we can get going forward the rest of the season. Michael Nania breaking down the numbers over at JetsXFactor.com. As always, thanks so much for coming on for Chronicles with me. Really appreciate it. I know you've got plenty of material that you're working on that's going to be coming out over the next couple of days as we get ready for game number two against the San Francisco 49ers. What do you got on tap? Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing, well, not exactly looking forward, but I will be doing uh, my Sam Darnold grade for this week's game. Uh, once Game Pass finally puts that film out, I don't know, it's taking them so long, but once I do, I'll have that out. I'm not expecting it to be too high, but you know, we'll see how that goes once we turn on the film. But we'll have that coming. Uh, also going to be doing, uh, each week I'll be doing a studs and duds for the previous week's game, but in a different way. So I'll score each player from up to plus five or minus five. And all the players on the roster, their scores will match up with the point differential from that week's game. So over the course of the season, you get uh, kind of a leaderboard of each player's value and how they contributed to the Jets point differential over the entire season. So I like doing that. That's a fun one that I'll have in a couple of days. Uh, and, and then some really good opponent preview stuff looking forward to the Niners, some head-to-head matchups in that game, Becton against Bosa, Sherman against these receivers, uh, some really interesting matchups, uh, and then also just scouting the 49ers' strengths and weaknesses in all three phases. So uh, some really good stuff coming the next few days, and I'll be doing these things every single week throughout the season as well. So um, hopefully Game Pass gets this film out quickly enough so I can see what's up with Darnold. Make sure you check out Michael's work over at JetsXFactor.com and follow him on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.